Log Talk Radio. Boys and ghouls, step right up behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight it's going to be a special one. It's our Thanksgiving episode. We are not joined by the Dean or the Monkey, because they are going to be busy in their kitchens tomorrow cooking up something for Thanksgiving. So instead, we're going to do a special episode with the Google and I, and we're going to be talking about Cobra from 1986. Yes, we're going to be talking about fucking Stallone. On this episode, it's not going to be Rocky, it's not going to be Lambo, it's Cobra. Not to be confused by G.I. Joe, which a lot of people seem to do. I'll get you, G.I. Joe. Oh, man, that (laughs) opening that the monkey sent us. That's that's, that's more more Skeletor, my bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Cobra Commander laughs like that, too. I think it was the same guy that did the voice, but as (laughs) always, I'm joined by the same actor. Probably is. Um, but, yeah, that, the monkey's sending us that intro from the cartoon. Like, I had forgotten about it, too, that they did the alternate Cobra intro. It's just so fucking just dynamic. Jumping so off the terrible. Statue of Liberty, fireworks going off. Cobra, Cobra! Like, you know, damn. Going all in. <laughs> I mean, that was it, the 80s for you, though, man. You know what I mean? That was the thing. It's like Transformers, the movie. Yeah, yeah, G.I. Joe, the movie. It was all... Uh, kinds of craziness going on with uh with these small 20 20 or so minute cartoon television properties and then they're like hey we're going to give you an 87 and 92 minute movie here so so why don't we give you a song to, to really kick things off oh hell yeah we're going to get sergeant slaughter in here too for gi joe because we have the money to animate him right in this movie never forget that yeah, well, sergeant slaughter sergeant slaughter was awesome man you know what, like, amazed me? No, you can... See, again, growing up as a kid, I had no idea that he was a real man. You know what I mean? So, like, when he, when, like, obviously I saw him on the cartoon, but then when he popped up yeah. in the WWE, I was like, well, back then, WWF, obviously, and it was like, right. holy shit, cartoons are real? <laughs> like, how could he be here and then WWF? That is fucking crazy. You know, I mean, he had the greatest story angle, though, going from being like a U.S. patriot to joining Iran and Iraq. I was, was going to say, he had to join fucking General, General Adnan or Colonel Adnan or whatever the fuck his name was. And, yeah, man, takes the, ti- takes the title from the ultimate warrior only to, to, to bring back the, uh, you know, the, the, the real American Hulk Hogan right back to the WWF's uh, title, title contention. Oh, the dude had no choice. You know, he had to go back to the American angle because that Iraq angle was not working very well. Like, I felt bad for him. Oh, I'm just saying, for for getting the belt back to Hogan, though, in general, you know what I mean? The the, the big issue there was Ultimate Warriors was was only so, so loved, you know? Like, he was super popular, but it was like a flash in the pan. Like, once everybody was like, oh, wait, this is really all this guy can do? Um, okay, so, so of course, you know, 
not selling toys, not pushing product. Hey, Ching Ching Hogan, get back in here, man. Get back in here. We're tagging you back in. Here's the belt, buddy, and uh, and here you go. Yeah, I mean, he had the Cobra Clutch. I always liked Slaughter. I always liked him in his matches. He had some decent ones, but he wasn't just anything dynamic. Like, you couldn't really market him that well. Like you said, with Hulk Hogan, I mean, everybody was Hulk Hogan, an Ultimate Warrior, or Macho Man, but then there was Slaughter. Like, at least he wasn't Joe well, no. Steel. Well, that was the big thing, though. You know, like I said, the, the, the marketing problem, I mean, A, you know, is obviously Vince McMahon is capitalizing on the Gulf War, which was occurring at that time. But also, mm-hmm. you know, the, the deflating property that was the Ultimate Warrior at that time, you know? Like, the guy had, like, a, a meteoric rise, but just as quick yeah. as fall. You know, and, and, like, that's the thing. You can't take yeah, – theoretically, you would think, oh, okay, let Sergeant Slaughter take the belt from him, and then you're going to dress the Ultimate Warrior up in red, white, and blue, and we're going to bring him up as, you know, the, the American Warrior, and he's going to take that belt mm-hmm. back from Sergeant Slaughter. But, no, they were like, yo, we're going to call him the old man. You know, he's the red and yellow has been the, uh, the guy that's been doing it for us for the last, you know, 10 years or so, so, so let's just keep it going. Well, yeah, because, I mean, come on, back in the day, even now, when that fucking Hulkamaniac theme song hits, you get excited. You can't Dude, help it. I'm you know, fucking ready to hit? rip off my shirt, bro. I'm ready to point at the crowd and pump my muscles and be like, yep, well, hold on, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. And, yeah, as I'm saying this, I'm literally doing the Hulk Hogan ear thing to, to nobody at all around me. Like, that's how ingrained that is in yeah. my system as far as just growing up as a kid. Gonna get these twenty-four inch pythons, brother. Like, you know, <laughs> the guy could cut promos. Just as good as I just say, yeah. I always loved Hulk Hogan, but I was more of a Macho Man guy, you know, growing up. But when we talked about this. I've always thought he was like the better of the two. So when they got together with the Mega Powers, I was like, holy shit, they're bringing it all together. This is the greatest thing ever. Two of the Titans. Oh, well, uh, I mean, I, I've said it a billion, zillion times, man. You know, you know, for me, my, my favorite match is still uh, Randy Macho Man Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat WrestleMania three. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, yep. for for Savage to come in the next year at WrestleMania four and, and get that title, you know, through the whole tournament thing and everything, it was just it was the perfect way for for Macho Man to become a face. It was the perfect way to give that man, you know, who, who did work his ass off for a smaller wrestler. He worked his ass off in that ring. And, uh, and, and you know what? They gave him that belt, and then, and then yeah, subsequently you had the whole Mega Powers thing, and then they just worked that as an angle, too, you know, as the Mega Powers explode. I mean, that was heartbreaking. Like, again, I remember as a kid watching Saturday night's main event, and, and Hogan gets mm-hmm. tossed out of the ring, and he hits into Elizabeth or whatever it was, and, and he's carrying Elizabeth to the back, and Macho Man's, like, all mad at him about it because it's like, you know, like, come on, he's getting left in the ring by himself. But I remember, like, running into my parents, room and again Saturday night's main event started at like what 11.30 I think it was so it was probably no, this was is late. near the yeah. end so it's almost 1 o'clock in the morning so you know my parents are sleeping so but there I am and I'm like mom mom God, I think Elizabeth's <laughs> really hurt Hulk Hogan landed on her this is a problem and you know that was like subsequently met with like a backhand and get the fuck out of my room I'm sleeping and after my mother did the typical uh, opens her eyes doesn't register that there's anybody there, but the second she does, it's like horrified, ah, fucking type of moment. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. Can I sleep with you guys? 
I need to process this. It's not right. It's not right what happened. <laughs> it's amazing what we believed back in the day with wrestling. Like that handshake mm-hmm. occurred around the world. When they shook their hands for the first time, I fucking took shit. I mean, this is the greatest fucking wrestling moment in the world. Nothing can top this. Nothing can top Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage trading the Mega Powers. But it lasted a little while, and then it burned out. And then it went to WCW. So, you know, that, that whole thing happened with the NWO, which, again, I don't know, comparably, that whole thing with Hulk Hogan turning heel, that was just perfect. That, like, it's still ingrained in my memory when he became part of the NWO. And he spray-painted it on the title. I was like, wow, Hulk Hogan's a fucking heel now. Like, I never thought that would happen. I mean, what was that? That was uh, Great American Bash, I think it was. Yep. Or, uh, that or, yeah, I think it was that or it was Bash at the Beach. I think it was Great American Bash. Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, the he comes down that, that ring – and, and it was. It was a fantastic moment for, you know, WCW. Yeah, I, I watch it probably once a year just because, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I just love the, the way that whole thing pans out, you know. You, you, you got them in there. WCW thinks, oh, here comes Hulk Hogan. He's going to save us from these outsiders. And, you know, we don't know who the outsiders extra guy is, but, you know, that's, that's it. This is going to be it. Hogan's going to do it. And then, no. No, the guy that had been a face, you know, I mean, obviously prior to being Hulk yeah. Hogan, he wasn't a face. But, you know, as, as Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster, the real American hero, this man would never go villain. And then he went villain. And that and it, yeah. was definitely an interesting turn. And uh, like I've always said, too, though, what was really fun about that is, is his entire moveset really didn't change. He still did Not at all. almost nope. all the same things he did as a good guy, and you cheered for him. He was still doing him as a bad guy, and then that made me question that whole entire thing. I'm like, holy shit, he's been a villain the whole time. Now he's just putting his beard on. Oh, that fucking horrible beard when he became Hollywood Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, that was a choice that he made. You know, hey, listen, he has to be healed. Got to put the black on, got to put the black beard on. But you would think that he would have another finisher as a heel, but nope. Nope, just the leg drop. You know, he's going to do what Hulk Hogan does. He's set in his ways. But a lot of them did the same thing, though. Like, when you think about it, when they became heels, like a lot of these people, uh, you know, they never changed their, their sets. You know, when they were face versus a heel, they just kept the same mood set. Except now they were just cutting promos that made them feel like a heel. Yeah, like yeah. Like the well, mid no, not... face and a heel, they never changed. Yeah, but I don't mean, like, the, the full move sets. Obviously, yeah, the, the main move set is still going to be the same. Punch, 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 you know, kick, that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you think about Hulk Hogan's, you know, when you think about moves, right, that heels and faces do, the low blows, yeah. the raking of the eyes, shit like that. Mm-hmm. Like, certain things are done by heels, certain things are done by faces. Hulk Hogan yeah. did a lot of heel things as a face. Mm-hmm. You know, and you yeah. would, you would fuck it. You'd be like, yeah, you know, because we watched the heel do it to him. You know, because remember, normally every time he fought somebody, there was like a, a bunch of weeks build up to get to that that match. You know, because Hogan only wrestled so often. So so as that build up was coming, he would get attacked by people. He would be in a tag team match. People would jump him. They would beat his ass. You know, and 
and, and Hogan was always on the receiving end of it. So when he finally like got into the match and he was kicking this bad guy's ass, you'd cheer him for cheating. He'd like low blow somebody. And you'd be like, yeah, well that's because that bad guy deserved it. Not like oh, mm-hmm. shit. Why, why, why is the hero like doing negative shit, man? We we boo the bad guys for doing it. Yeah, Hulk always got a pass though. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's the Hulk. It's the Hulkster. No matter what he did, we just kind of give him a pass. You know, Damn was great like, brother. That was just, yeah, that was just back in the day. Though. Like, I remember the lead-up to uh, the Hulk versus uh, Macho Man match after the Mega Powers exploded. And you had that one promo where Randy Savage was all fucking sweaty, all coked up, staring at the camera, just screaming at Hulk Hogan how he's going to tear him apart. He's like, you ruined my life, brother. And I was like, man, they need to make promos like this again. <laughs> it's like, you don't know. He looks high, but he's cutting this promo. That's amazing. That just it probably was high. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you, he was looks, out of his head. Looks versus was, you know that that's kind of the problem, though. You know what I mean? So, oh well, because uh, they did the the Macho Man biography on A and E, and they talked about how one night, I guess after he and Elizabeth split up in real life, she was staying with Hulk Hogan and his wife at the time, and Macho Man just showed up, coked out of his head, like banging the hotel doors throwing security guards out of the way, like, where's Elizabeth? I was like, yeah, that's real-life Macho Man. He trained for 20 years to play that part and won multiple titles to play Bones <laughs> off. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I'm going to get hard news in a little bit, but I'm working on my end-of-year list, as I always do. So, like, this week, I think I've watched seven new movies now. So I'm feeling kind of burned out in 2022. So I'm kind of glad that the year is kind of ending. I think I have like two more I have to watch before the end of the year. And I'm also working on a project with uh, Jeff Scott, the guy that did the short, Are You Ready? Based off my short story. Uh, And he tasked me with writing a Halloween rom-com, which is well out of my wheelhouse. But I'm currently writing that. So I've been spending the week writing that. And it's been difficult (laughs) trying to write a rom-com because it's not me. So I've actually had to watch some Hallmark movies to kind of get inspiration. And those movies, man, they are just all the same. Like we've talked about it. (laughs) I don't know why people like these movies. They're all exactly the same. They follow the exact same format, except it's in a different location and different professions. And if you're from New York, man, you're a bad person, man. You better not come from New York to a small town because they're going to look at you. You know, what is this? Like, oh, hey, know, those big Idaho. Those big city folk, yeah. you know, because they look, they look down on those small-town people. Yeah, so it, it's been a challenge, but I'm hoping to, to finish that up. By the end of the week, it's going to be a short story. So I'm hoping to just bang out a bunch more pages, and hopefully he likes it and he can make it into whatever he wants to because it's been weird for me having to write a uh, rom-com. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I'd love to meet these writers that do it. And it's just so easy for them. Like, well, she's a baker, and he's a banker from New York, and they meet one day, and they have a Danish, and all of a sudden they're falling in love at Christmas. Like, well, <laughs> well, I mean, so that's the thing, you, though, you know what I mean? You could use, like, a template generator for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. like you just did right there, you know? Like, just pick two separate, two separate professions, figure out a way to make them conflict with one another, you know? And then, yeah, you bring, you know, 
person A from this spot, person B from this spot, there's another conflict for you. Does she or does he have kids? There's another conflict for you. Are we going to bring the parents into the mix? Is it going to be an ethnicity thing? Like, you know, these are all the typical rom-com plays, you know. Did he fuck her best friend once? You know what I mean? There's always one for you, you know. Like, oh, you know, oh, this chick I slept with this one time, you know, and it turns out to be her fucking mom. Um, you know, you, you, you can go all, all those routes with it. And, uh, and yeah, that's just about every single Hallmark movie that, that I've seen, you know. Yeah, it's exactly that. Um, Bruce Campbell is actually going to be in one that comes out tomorrow called My Southern Christmas Special, um, which is all about uh, Bruce Campbell playing a dad who meets a woman who pretends to be a reporter, but it's actually his estranged daughter, and she wants to get to know the man. So Bruce transitioning from horror to Hallmark, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. He he better drop a pillow talk line in there, you know. Speaking <laughs> speaking of Bruce Campbell, though, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have to say I uh, I recently revisited from from start to finish Doctor mm-hmm. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Okay, and you while I still, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you know, no, I think I might have. Did I watch it to completion any other time? I can't remember. Um. Hmm. It, it might be my th- it might be my third viewing on it, but uh, okay. My my point being is is I'm starting to soften my stance on it. I don't quite mm. dislike it as much as I did originally. Um, right. So 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 that I guess is is, is a good thing. I, I'm looking. I'm trying to look past all the Ramiisms that happened in that movie, mm. and yes, there's still there's still points of that film that I'm a bit disappointed because I needed it to be bigger, I needed it to be more, it needed to be longer than two hours, but all things considered, watching it, it's uh, there, there are forgivable things going on in that movie, and there are some, some quite fun moments. Yeah, I mean, there really are, and you know, like you had said, you know, it is very Raimi-esque, so... If you're not a big fan of Raimi, you're probably not going to like it as much as you would if you were a fan. That's why I liked it, because I'm a Raimi fan. So I got all the Raimi-isms that were in there, and I enjoyed it. I honestly kind of wish that they pushed the envelope a little farther than they did, um, especially with some of the, the gore sequences. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit more, you know, but, of course, it's Marvel. It's the MCU, so you can't really go too far, because you know that younger audiences are going to be watching it. So you can't, uh, you know, show the full section using uh, the shield. You know, you have to cut away. You know, you can't really show that. But I was kind of hoping it would be like a, a unrated cut where you get to see all the gore. But I don't really know if it got made, you know. And, and of course, it becoming Army of Darkness towards the end. I was like, eh, I didn't really like it either. But it's not terrible. Um, but speaking of, of Marvel movies, what did you think about Wakanda Forever? Oh... Uh, Okay, so so you know, I've still only seen that the one time. I haven't gone and uh, I haven't gone to see it again mm-hmm. yet. Um, right. Okay. You've seen it, I take it, which is why you're asking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So 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 then okay, we can we can work with, uh, with with obviously you know what? Listen, there's there's no spoilers anymore. It's in the commercial now. You know, obviously uh, Shuri has become the new Black Panther. Um, yes. That like that it. is the, uh, the the big thing. Yeah, I, I I didn't 
I didn't dislike it. You know, I, I liked the movie. I did. And I think, uh, so, you know, when, when, when Feige, 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 whatever the hell they call him, um, hmm. at one point he was asked about the current phase. And he explained that, you know, for all intents and purposes, phase four has really been about mourning. It's about mourning the losses that we had from Endgame. It's about mourning the end of that initial, you know, from from a a meta standpoint, it's about mourning the end, basically, of of that first saga, you know, and and of achieving such a a great high note, going out on such a high note, well, now you kind of got to reset. You got to go through everything again. So, so we've been watching all of our, our characters in some way, whether it's mourning relationships, whether it's, it's, it's mourning death, whether it's, it's just, you know, just, just getting back to their own normal lives or, or mourning what their lives used to be. Um, that has been present in every single one of the films and none more so than Wakanda forever uh, for mm-hmm. obviously a number of reasons. You know, we, we, by, by losing Chadwick Boseman in real life, you know, that, that movie, you feel it. You feel that loss. You feel that mm-hmm. empty spot where he would be, you know. So, so just as much as, as us mourning the character, us mourning the actor, you also have the director doing the same thing throughout the film, and you feel it. You really, really do. You know, it's, it's not to take away from any of the performances that are going on in that movie. But none of them are Chadwick Boseman. None of them have that, that, that magnetism that attracted you to the character the way that he performed it. You know, again, Shuri, she's, she's great. You know, and, and story-wise, I'm fine with the choice that they made. But, you know, they, yeah. I wasn't thrilled with Namor. To be honest with you, I found the accent agree. to be hard to to understand a lot of times. Um, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to rewatching the movie at home when I can have the subtitles on. That'll at least oh, you yeah. know make some of that dialogue a little more digestible. Uh, but even without that, I wasn't thrilled with his portrayal. I wasn't thrilled with his performance. I, I, I there were a lot of things that. I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't like about the movie, but I just wasn't impressed with the usage of, like, why was Martin Freeman even in the movie? Like, his character completely was just as as useless as possible. And, like, again, like, it just didn't even make any sense other than, okay, he was in the first movie, we got to show that he's still alive. Okay, and yeah. you could have had one scene. You know, you didn't have to keep bringing them back. Throughout. Like, I kept waiting for something to happen in which he was going to be involved. And when the movie came to a close, and there was still really nothing that he did in the whole film, I was like, wow, they really just they just had to pay him. So they were like, hey, here's a, here's a couple scenes for you, man, because we, we don't want to give you money for, for nothing. 
Uh, and I love Martin Freeman as an actor, you know. And and, and again, oh, I get it. They, they they really wanted to go, you know, Wakanda Afrocentric with it, and full full on support for all of that. Angela Bassett stole the fucking show in that movie. Hundred percent. That yep. movie, mm-hmm. you know, she she was one hundred percent the performer of the film, and uh, and and yeah. So so that's how I felt kind of about Wakanda Forever. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you said, and, and you know, having Namer in there with that horrible accent that he had, I was like, I, I'm okay. I don't really think I need him in this movie. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I know he's in it. He was a character in it, but just like with Martin Freeman, I'm like, I don't really need Namor in this movie. I wanted to focus more on the loss and how you deal with that and moving the torch to Shuri. And we got all that, sure, but, you know, I just I didn't like it as much as I like Black Panther. Like, I, I think that Black Panther still is the better of the two. And it's all because of Chadwick Boseman, who breathed life in the Chawa in other ways that I never thought possible because I was never a Black Panther fan until I saw him in the role. And I was like, this is great. Like, I want more of this character. Unfortunately, we, we won't get that. But, you know, it's, it's not a bad movie. You know, I didn't hate it. You know, I just kind of wanted something different than what was presented. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out if you're a fan of, of those movies and moving forward with the, with the next phase and we'll see what happens. I know that Ant-Man, uh, Quantum Mania is going to be coming out soon, so I'm looking forward to that one because I love Ant-Man. You know, Paul Rudd just so that, great you know, in that character. If that isn't a IMAX 3D movie, I don't know what is, man. I did Wakanda Forever in the 3D. Um, okay. Mostly because I was able to get a, a early, uh, early showtime with like excellent mm-hmm. seating, it was like you know what, I uh, my my original like time to go see it was five thirty. Uh, my my workday ended like early, and I was like you know what, I can slide in to like a three o'clock. Oh yeah, and and it was like full IMAX three D. So I was like you know that, that that's what I'm gonna go with with it. And and yeah, there were a couple sequences that were cool. Some of the underwater stuff, you know, just not, obviously mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to sit there and talk too much about it. But like I do think the one thing too with like with bringing in the Namor character and everything, you know, uh, like I always say about any of these superhero films, you know, your, your hero and the quality of the movie is only as good as the villain is going to be in the film. And I do think that was also a major thing here because Killmonger mm-hmm. was a much better character oh. than Namor. Yep. Killmonger had actual reasons to be doing what he was doing you felt you know you felt to a degree you could understand and even justify why he was doing what he was doing whereas mm-hmm. namor it's it's a full-on introduction it's an introduction to an entirely new race new world new civilization mm-hmm. that somehow like I don't know why it's so hard for me, and like, and I know in real life, right? Like, the, the, the planet is so covered with water, and we so have not yeah. explored so much of the ocean of this world. Yet, for some reason, I find it more plausible to hide like a small civilization like Wakanda, as opposed to hiding an entire underwater civilization of like. <laughs> water-breathing humanoids. Like, for some reason, I would yeah. think, like, if that was the case, we would have seen them at some point or another. So, like, you know, to say, like, okay, the Wakandans have been hiding, you know, their their high-tech civilization, like, as jungle 
for some reason I can believe that. But you tell me that like mm-hmm. these guys have some kind of like super huge underwater fucking Zion like society down there. Like I was waiting <laughs> for the drums to come out. I was waiting for a big freaking orgy <laughs> to happen in a tunnel somewhere. You know, like it's time. Yeah. It's t- I don't even t- t- what Talukin or something like that. You know and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. I was waiting for that to start happening, you know? And it was like, oh, Never no, happened. It's not going to happen. Thank goodness. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to checking out again, too. Definitely with subtitles. Highly recommend that. So I'll see if, if my views have changed with Conda Forever once I see it for a second time. But uh, let's get into some things I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up is the fact that the ghoul, he recently signed up for Screenbox, the streaming Ooh. service that's been curated by Bloody Disgusting. Uh, they are now offering a Black Friday special, which is now live. So if you go to screenbox.com, you can check it out. They're offering three months for 99 cents. I'm so happy. So I if you want to check for oh, the year. You know? <laughs> yeah, for the year. So Fuck if you don't want to for the year. Yeah, I love that. I saw that and I was like, I got to bring it up. I got to fucking bring it up. Because now they're like, oh, 99 cents for three months. It's like, yeah, but, you know, the gold is paid for a year. Like you could have brought that up earlier, <laughs> you know, but no. Yeah, whatever. So, if you want to get it for three months, ninety-nine cents. That's the way it is. So sign up for it. Check it out. Have you been looking at Streambox at all, aside from Terrifier Two? You know what? I would love to be like, oh, I'm finding so many wonderful things on Streambox, but you know, I have not logged into Streambox since watching <laughs> Terrifier Two. So I don't know if they've like updated, if they put any more movies on, if anything else is released. I don't know if they've got like a weekly schedule, whatever. Uh, again, I've I, I recently in like another chat was like talking to some friends and like you know, the whole idea of streaming services and everything came up and, and the one person had like listed off like, you know, the few things that they have and everything. And it, I was sitting there like, wow, you know what? Let me, let, let me list all the services that I pay for. And I think, uh, I think the number is like, we're paying for like 12 or 13 separate streaming entities. We're paying twice in some cases for certain things because like right now Hulu, which recently, you know, upped their live TV programming, I think they might have, I don't know if they upped all of their services, but whatever, live television is now like $70 a month for Hulu. Now, mind Mm -hmm. you, when I signed up with it, it was $40. Yeah. $40. Now it's gone up to $70. they've, They've done that in staggered you know, amounts, they were like, oh, hey, you know, we're going to go up to $55, but, you know, we're going to discount you like five, so you're only going to be paying 50 And it's like, oh, cool, so I'm still paying $10 more. Well, well, like I said, now they're up to 70 Now, there is no other option but this $70 option, which includes Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, except I already have a Disney Plus account. And the problem with the Mm -hmm. Disney Plus account is is that's got my profile, Donovan's profile, like all the kids' profiles, and all of that on there with everybody's lists and all of that crap. So, like, I don't want to just delete that account and then have to have everybody, like, redo everything again, number one. Number two, and probably more importantly, and, and probably the real truth, I'm not exactly sure how to access Disney Plus from the Hulu account. Because the Hulu account and my Disney Plus account are all in the same email. So I don't, like, I, mm-hmm. I can't 
figure it out. So I'm paying, like, and they just up Disney Plus, too. So now I'm paying, like, $10 a month for Disney Plus on top of the $70 a month for the Hulu that's giving me Disney Plus. And, and ESPN Plus, shit, man, I, I've never, I don't even have that loaded anywhere. So I don't even know if that's worth watching. Yeah, I don't know. That's a lot of the service. I only have Shudder. So I pay my 9 bucks a month for that, and I'm happy. Uh, I love their content, and I, I will stick with it. Uh, I might do the 99 cent thing uh, through Streambox, but again, like you, I might watch one thing on Streambox and then never go back to it. And all of a sudden, three months later, I'm like, oh, wow, it's over. Like, that was crazy, you know, but so I don't know. Uh, I might check well, it out. Why, that's um, why I didn't hate the year. The year at 24.99 really wasn't bad. You know, no, it's, it's, it's an entire year of it, and... You know, you can't tell me within the course of a year I'm not going to end up going back on that again and probably finding something to watch. Um, oh, yeah, I guarantee no, you will. And again, Shutter, fucking Amazon Prime, fucking Peacock, Paramount, HBO Max. You fucking name it, man. We, we've got access to, like, every single freaking thing. And yet, we can never find anything to watch or can never think of it. You know, you know what I'm excited about? I'm excited about this new freaking Pitch Perfect bumper in Berlin is, is, is coming oh, soon. It's like a, I can't it's a spin-off that. of the Pitch Perfect series. And I am so fucking thrilled. Yeah, I saw a trailer for that on USA when they were playing Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2. And all of a sudden, I was like, bumper in Berlin? Really? I was like, all right, I'm in. I love that character. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I definitely want to see what happens with him in Berlin. Um, so the rumor mill, once again, always affects us. It's always running. It's always churning. Uh, this time it's involving Escape from New York, becoming a feature film project with the director collective Radio Silence behind the project. The collective is working towards making the project happen, but as of right now, there's no script, nor has Kurt Russell been talked to about it. So hopefully we'll hear some official news soon. I mean, there's already been a sequel to Escape from New York. It was Escape from L.A. We covered it on the show. Not very good. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing, like, an old man snake. I know that the monkey was like, oh, fuck that. Uh, Kurt Russell's too old. I mean, maybe not. He can definitely play old man snake. But what do you think about it, Joel? Do you think he can come back and play, like, an older, you know, snake and kind of going back in the action? Uh, look, I mean, I mean, Kurt Russell's 71 years old, right? So... Mm-hmm. We've watched Clint Eastwood play characters for how many years? You know, we've got Liam Neeson out there, you know, in ridiculously badass action roles where he's kicking people's fucking asses left and right. And, like, I, I think of Liam Neeson and I never think of him like that. Yet nope. that is the majority of the man's movies. And he's in his 60s at this point. Um, yeah. So, so do I think that, yeah, could we easily do an old man snake? Absolutely. I would love, I would love to see like a quality, a quality escape from film, you know, which maybe explores the premise a little bit deeper than what we've got. But see, the, the problem with doing that then is it doesn't stay true to the low quality of the original film. As long as it's mm-hmm. not Escape from L.A., I'm good with it because that fucking movie was horrendous. 
That movie was oh, so bad. Man. I don't want to ever see anything like Escape from L.A. again. If they do away with Escape from L.A. and they just do, they do, they do a Halloween, do the Halloween thing. Be like, yo, Escape from L.A. never happened, okay? This, this is the true sequel to Escape from New York. Yo, let it be President Snake. Let it be President of the oh, United fucking dude, States now. Yeah, you know dude. what I mean? Like, that's the route to yep. go. Oh, man, him being the president and having to call in, like, a new renegade soldier to go into New York and do shit. Oh, man, I'd be there for it. You know, I would be so there for it. But then again, I'm all for revisiting old Kurt Russell movies. Like, I've always said that uh, Big Trouble in Little China, I want that follow-up. Like, I want an old man Jack Burton movie. You know, so, uh, you know, he's not that old. I mean, he's only 71. He could still do it. Harrison Ford's doing fucking Indiana Jones, for God's sake. And he's got to be pushing 80 at this point. Oh, no, he's he's well over 80. I think he's like 80, 82. Um, oh, he's well over 80. So. Okay, I didn't know that. I look at it this way. I know, obviously, somebody would be like, oh, it's only two years over 80. Is that really well over 80? I think once you get to, like, that age range, anything yep. over that, whether it's one year or two years or three years or seven years, is well over 80. You know what I mean? You're fucking 80 and a half? Well, you're well over 80, man. God bless you for still being alive. Yeah. You made it that far, dude. Like, you know, you should be happy about that. But, yeah, they... Harrison, Harrison Ford is 80 years old. He turned 80 this year. 80. Okay, so he is officially 80 years old. So there you go. Um, they actually did release some plot details about the new Indiana Jones movie. Uh, it's going to take place in the 1960s in New York. And Mads Mikkelsen is going to be the villain. Okay. So I'm excited for that enjoy. a little bit. I like Mads Mikkelsen. I, I, I <laughs> love Mads Mikkelsen, actually. I thought he was great in Rogue One. Um you know, so and, and anything else I've seen him in, it's just been and Hannibal. Yeah, and Hannibal. He's 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 a pleasure to watch. Um, he's like one of those actors who I always feel like you never get it. You don't get enough movies with him in it. Um, no, nope. but when you do, they're always like or or television or whatever. You know, when you do get it, it's it's always very pleasant. Um, yeah, as far as indie goes, from what I've heard is, is the movie's going to start in, like, the 1940s uh, hmm. with some, some Nazi stuff. They're going to use some of the de-aging technology that we've seen. And uh, we're no? going to get okay. you know, young, young Harrison Ford, young Indiana Jones uh, facing off with a little bit of Nazi action. I guess that's going to be our open. And then, yes, everything will then shift into the, uh, I, I want to say they said 68 is, is what I heard. Yeah. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. for the year and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see Indy at you know old man Indy age, and, and we'll go from there. I was gonna say yeah, I mean look if if they want to do President Snake, you know we can always get Shia LaBeouf to come in as the new mm-hmm. Renegade because I mean that that has worked. Oh. So I, really, I think you know what you do, you go with Zac Efron. I think Zac Efron could oh, actually yes, yes. could actually play like some kind of like cheesy. B, C movie level, like, like a Snake Plissken-esque type of character. You know, make oh, him like a hot shot, like a young hot shot coming in. You know what I mean? Kurt Russell, Zac Efron. Let's do this. Come on, let's get to the table, people. Yeah, I, I fucking love that. So I'm definitely all for it. If that happens, I'd be so happy with that movie. Like, that would be perfect. Even him in, in Big Trouble in Little China, like, that would be, love that too. But I just, I'm a fan of, of later year Zac Efron. Like, once he kind of found his footing in some good movies, I was like, you know what? He's not that bad. Like, he's not High School Musical Zac Efron anymore. 
Like he's actually producing some good shit, like comedy wise and action wise. You know, I actually enjoy him now. Um, you know, just like I felt with Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, in uh, the Tarantino movies. Like, just stay with Tarantino, dude, and I'll watch you. Because he knows how to use you. Like, he oh, knows how to make on, it work. Man. DiCaprio's been what? a solid performer throughout the entirety of his career, man. That, Never that liked I him. Cannot... Really? I mean, that's just insanity, Never. man. He's been in so many insanity. great movies. Yes. It, like, like, give me one. Give me one, and I'll tell you my opinion. For starters, like, what's eating Gilbert Grape? You know, but, I mean, okay, no. if you don't want to go with that and, and have him acting like we, a special special needs person, which I did think he was I mean, yeah. fantastic in the role. But, you know, I don't know. I think of, like, fucking Romeo and Juliet from 96. Like, I love that movie because it was just so weird and mm. out there. Gangs of New York was phenomenal. The Departed is phenomenal. Blood Diamond is fucking great. You know, Shutter Island, I mean, you can, you can that's hit or, hit or miss if you ask me. But, you know, I don't Wolf of Wall Street. I can keep going here, man. I mean, the kids did a lot of great films. I, like, I will, you know, out of all those that you just mentioned, like, I don't mind Shutter Island. It's not bad. Uh, mostly because that was a Scorsese Boy, movie, life. and I just love him as a director. Uh, oh, well, Robert De Niro stole that fucking movie. Like, I watched that oh, movie for De Niro. Uh, yeah. Okay, but you know what? Again, it's, he's also the main character. The, uh, oh, 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 fucking, uh... The Basketball Diaries, man. There's another fucking phenomenal movie. <laughs> you like that movie? The I, Beach. I, I just... The Beach is fucking yeah. completely like a, a bad acid trip. That movie is fucking oh, great. The Beach is so weird. Like, I mean, it's not even DiCaprio in that movie. The movie is so weird. But, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street I would put highly up there because I love that fucking movie. But it's just because he's just acting insane the entire time, which I like. Um, just like he did in uh, Django Unchained. Django and Shane, I was like, oh, man. I was like, DiCaprio's actually fucking good. <laughs> he could play a fucking villain and make it work as Calvin Candy. And that's what made me kind of appreciate it. The Departed, again, that's a Nicholson movie for me. Like, I don't give a fuck about DiCaprio in that movie. It was Matt Damon. It was Alec Baldwin. It was Mark Wahlberg. Like, everybody around him, I'm like, yes, I love okay. this. And okay. then he shows okay. up. I'm like, oh, so, man. So, oh, no, but here's, here's the point, right? It's an ensemble cast. That's what we would call that film, correct? Yeah. Whose eyes do you watch that movie through? Whose eyes do you watch that movie through? Whose character are you taking that journey through? Oh, well, it's his character, absolutely, but I'm not watching it for him. I'm waiting for Jack Nicholson to show back up in that movie. I'm waiting for Matt Damon to show back up. That's fine, but if you don't have him portraying that, if you don't have him carrying you, it's kind of like, okay, your favorite movie, your favorite kid's movie, bro, the never-ending story, right? So, oh, so the, sure, whole yeah. purpose, the whole purpose of the never-ending story, remember, the reason why they couldn't just turn around at the very beginning and say, yo, Bastion, we need you to name, we need you to name the, the, the princess, we need you to, to, to name the, the empress, is because he had to go on the journey. You had to go on the journey. Leonardo, okay, Mr. DiCaprio there, he takes you and he puts you on his back and he carries you step by step. Every interaction that you're feeling through that movie, you're feeling it because of him. Have no doubt, my friend, he is, he is a fantastic actor. I, I just I can't agree. I just I can't. I mean, there's some movies that I do like him in, 
It's just, you know, it, it, again, like you brought up a great point about ensemble casts, um, you know, especially like what, what's eating Gilbert Grape. Like I watched it from the Johnny Depp perspective. Like I never really cared for Arnie. You know, I know he was playing a, you know, a special needs kid. You know, and it was fine. But, the whole movie. Like, I was watching it for the, the mom. The about caring about Arnie. I never cared about him. I was like, God. Oh. I mean, that, like, it's still like honestly thinking about that movie. Like, the most heartbreaking scene is at the end when Arnie finds his mom dead, and they're having the birthday party, and he's trying to get her to wake up. Like, yeah, I could still get tears from that scene. And it's just, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio. It's just I feel for the character. Like, so that in that sense, I'm like, you know, what I feel for the character. You know, I, again, yes, I feel for the character, the character that I'm feeling because of him. I'm feeling that character because he's all dirtied up. I'm feeling that character oh, because oh, he yeah. is not pretty in that movie. I'm feeling for that character. Nope, not because, at all. You know, as I think about that character, I think about the hand movements that he was doing. You know, the little mm-hmm. like, the weird finger twitches and shit. Like, he really yeah. sold the shit out of it to the point that I know a number of people actually they didn't realize that that was like the actor from Growing Pains they thought it was a special needs kid that they actually used for the role um, which I know on the flip end of that there was a lot of complaints like why didn't you use a special needs person for the role but <laughs> yeah. whatever they, they can argue that shit all they want you know that, that that's for, for, for better people and fucking liberals and, and whoever the hell they want, they want to go on about oh, yeah. that go right on ahead Make you complaints. Well, I don't care. Give us a good performance, and I'm a happy camper. And, and yeah, so, no, so I, 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 I don't mean to say I'm not, I'm not a huge stan as far as it goes for, for DiCaprio. I just I do believe for our generation, he's one of our best actors. A lot of people agree with you. I'm just not one of them. I just I'm not. I think he's made a couple of good movies, but I wouldn't say you know I wouldn't heap a lot of praise on him. You know, just because I never really got, you know, anything from him. Like, Romeo and Juliet, again, ensemble piece. The movie is great, but I like Claire Danes more in that movie. I like Paul Rudd in that movie. Paul Servino in that movie. John Leguizamo is the fucking king in that movie. You know, he's just so he's great tibble. in that role. He's tibbled. He's a snake. He was, okay, yeah, fucking Leguizamo yeah, absolutely so phenomenal in that movie, man. But, uh, now nah, you know what? Claire Danes actually is, is probably the, the, the person who I thought was the worst choice for that role. Uh, initially, really? Okay. Yeah, you know, I mean, well, you know what? Again, coming off of my so-called life, obviously, is where everybody knows Claire Danes from at this point of her career yeah. when that movie comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Love that series. I, so, so do I, you know, um... Yeah, and you know, I, I appreciate what she did in her role in that film, uh, in that in that series. Mm-hmm. Sorry, uh, but for for Romeo and Juliet, how, how, you know, like it sounds so superficial when I say it, but you know what? I'm just going to say it. She isn't fucking pretty enough to play that character. You know, no, I, would say, I would agree. Julie, I would agree. Juliet needs to funny. be like, you know, she needs to be like, wow, you know this. This girl, okay, is worth fucking betraying my entire family, betraying every single mm-hmm. fucking thing that I believe in, everything I was raised to believe in. I'm going to fucking, I'm going for that. Now, when I get it to, you know, Romeo is fucking, he's a fucking boner, dude. He's a walking hard on, you know. He was in love with yeah, whatever the fuck her name, Rosalind, Rosalind or whatever Rosalind, the hell it is. Yeah. He's fucking yep. 
bemoaning at the beginning of the fucking play and all that stuff, you know. So, so I, I know he's traipsing around in his fucking doilies and oh, do 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 do. I want to fuck this. I want to fuck that. And I'm in love with everything. But considering what he goes through, what they go through, you know, like I, I don't know, man. It's uh, and, and I guess I am spoiled to a degree for Olivia Hussey. You know, because for oh, me, forever, he was Juliet. her in oh, that yeah. fucking, in, in that Romeo and Juliet from the 1960s, man, she was just so, mm-hmm. so dropped that gorgeous, man, so fucking pretty. It was like, yup, uh, you know what, I'd fucking leave everybody for her too, man, I'm, I'm down. Oh, how could you not? But then, and then as you were talking, I remembered uh, Harold Pirino playing Mercutio, being a cross-dresser. Oh. And just having the time of his life. Oh, what a great fucking character. Like, he played the shit out of yeah. that character. Like, he made it so much uh-huh. fun and so weird, giving him drugs and just kind of, you know, and then when he dies, curse on your houses. I was like, yeah, I don't want to see him go. Like, I'm not ready to let this video go. A plague on <laughs> both your houses. <laughs> yeah. but, dying yeah, on that no, piece, you know what? Yeah. yeah, you know, you, you, I, 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 I kick myself in the ass. Absolutely, man. He... His performance of Mercutio is the show stealer in that film, you know. Between again, him and Leguizamo, both, both are phenomenal. Yeah. But I did love that take on the Mercutio character because, like, I remember even reading Romeo and Juliet, you know, sophomore year of high school, and, and having discussions with uh, with Mrs. Cap, who was my English teacher at the mm-hmm. time, you know, and. You know, we were all bringing it up, like saying, you know, it's funny, but like I, we, we, we understand that, you know, from Shakespeare's standpoint or whatever it is, that this is supposed to be like brotherly love amongst these guys. They're, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're men, there's, there's no homoerotic, you know, whatever about it. And it was like, nah, man, nah. There's something, Seems really there's gay. a little bit more going on here. Mer- Mercutio's definitely got some feels going on. And I remember it becoming a broader discussion, and that was it made it fun. And then to see a big director, you know, to put out a big feature like that and actually really, like, embrace that kind of spoke to, to I guess, our generation because we were like, hey, yeah, look, we, you know what, maybe we weren't wrong. No. That's why I love the way they presented it because even back in Shakespeare's day, uh, they would have men playing women in a lot of the plays. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made sense to have him play Mercutio the way that he did. And like I said, I'm, I'm not a fan of DiCaprio, but I love Romeo and Juliet. I do. I thought that Boz Lerman did a great fucking job of bringing it into the modern age, you know, where there's guns and there's violence and it's just so 90s. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of that movie, just not so much of DiCaprio. Uh, but uh, Paul, um, Paul Capulet, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> Vito Montague. It made it like a fucking yeah. It was like a mob movie, man. It was great. You yeah, don't have to put that on and go to so bed good. tonight now. Oh, man. I think I might watch that view later now. <laughs> it might be my movie after the show. Because um, I know, I think it's available uh, to watch. Uh, but talking about uh, DiCaprio and how Quentin Tarantino for me, kind of made him great with Django Unchained and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Quentin Tarantino, he's promoting his book, Cinema Speculation, and when he's not really shitting on Marvel movies, because he's been doing that a lot recently, uh, he announced that he's going to be he's going to be doing a TV series in 2023, an eight-episode TV series. It's a mystery project, but if I'm betting my bets, I would say this is going to be Bounty Law. Like, I would think that this is his chance to make Bounty Law an actual show. But we'll have to see. 
because right now it's all secret. Like he's not saying what it is. All that he's doing is an eight episode TV series in 2023. Okay. Hey, look, I, 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 I know I went on my, my rant last week in regards to, to Tarantino and, and mm-hmm. his feeling towards the, uh, the, the, the big budget superhero craze that is, is going on right now. Um, mm-hmm. But I also have gone on record many, many, many times on this show about what a huge fan I am of Quentin Tarantino and his work. Oh, of course. Um, you and I both. You know, so the idea of him doing Bounty Law as a show, fantastic. I would love to see it. Um, you know, and I would love for it to be, you know, again, in the, in the vein of Brandon, you know, in the vein of all of those those shows from the, the 60s and, and, you know, those, those fucking, those cowboys, man. You know, like, like let's get something that's, like, kind of dirty but way too clean, you know, and then let's see what Tarantino does with it. You know, is he going to grease it up a little bit? Is this going to be, like, the kind of show that when, like, you know, some director was like, yeah, he pitched it to some studio and they were like... Oh, I don't think we can put that on television, sir. You know, that's just not going to work. Um, you know, like, like, let's, let's give us this. Give it to us in black and white. Let it be, let it oh, be yeah. everything that, that we want to see it to be, you know. Um, you know, it doesn't, need to, it doesn't need to be once upon a time. It just needs to be yeah. bounty law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully that's what it is. If it's something else, I mean, great, too. I just, I'm a huge fan of Tarantino. Like, I, you know, you went in your rant last week. I agreed with you. You know, at the same time, you know, it's Tarantino. So whatever he does, I'm going to watch. I, I just love his mind when he talks about movies because he just loves fucking movies. Like, you know, when he talks about horror movies especially, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I love all those movies too. <laughs> so you feel that kind of connection. I mean, um, I, yeah. I have an idea for him. I mean, you really, they, I mean, hell, Disney should get on this, really, because obviously you're going to need to do, like, a tandem thing, I, I would assume, anyway. Or, I mean, maybe not. You know what, Tarantino, you're old school, you're grindhouse, man. Let's, let's do some, some be kind, rewind type of shit, right? But instead of it mm-hmm. being, like, a full, you know, low-budget remake of, of the movies or whatever, let him sit and give us commentary on every single Marvel film in MC oh, oh order, God, yes. MCU order. Yep. You know, let's, let's just re- retape your commentary over every... Like, I want to know your thoughts, your negatives, your positives, everything. I, I would not... Well, I mean, obviously, I rewatch all of these movies anyway, but I would sit mm-hmm. and, like, rewatch with full-on focus just to hear the things that are going through his head during certain moments in these movies. Oh, I, I couldn't even imagine what that would be, but I would be there for it. Just to listen to his commentary and see him explain things. I'm like, eh, I don't really like this thing because it's all bu- big budget effects. Like, you know, why can't they do smaller budget, smaller effects? But, yeah, I would, I would love to, to hear his thoughts on the Marvel movies uh, from the start, you know, to the end. Um, <laughs> why is he a raccoon? That, that's the question here, okay? <laughs> like, why, why the fuck is why he a raccoon? I, I don't really don't get talk. it. I don't understand it. No, they don't. They don't. Have you ever seen Raccoon in your life? They don't talk. They don't talk, all right? All right? You know, when I was doing Kill Bill, uh, you didn't see me putting any uh, CGI raccoons in my movie because uh, they didn't need to be there. 
all right, so now we're on Iron Man, and he's flying around in a suit, but, like, why do we have to keep going to his face? Like, all right, Robert Jr., handsome man. I get it. I get it. But we don't need to keep seeing your face. Like, let's just see outside of the suit. Outside of the suit. (laughs) (laughs) But no, when you see the outside of the suit, it's clearly fake. It's clearly fake, which is why we have to keep showing you his face. (laughs) And you know what's good with Captain America anyway? Like, Captain America, you know, Chris Evans, he's small. You know, I get it. It's fine. And then all of a sudden, he's a super soldier? Like, how did they do that? Like, how? Explain it to me, because I wouldn't do it this way. You know how I would do it? Uh, I would send it to, like, a 70s song, and then all of a sudden, he would come up, and he'd be Captain America, but he wouldn't be big. He wouldn't be big. I don't get it. Guys, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, calm down. Like, why are you getting so angry? <laughs> He's talking about these movies. <laughs> it, it, would just, it would be wonderful. Um, all right, so... Uh, as we wind down, we're talking about the movie. I have a lot to talk about, but I'm going to cut to some quick cuts. Uh, so speaking about classic directors, Martin Scorsese is heaping praise on Ty West's Pearl. And he keeps saying that he was so disturbed by it that he lost sleep and that it's a technicolor nightmare. So to hear Scorsese kind of give him props to Ty West, I was like, great, man, because I love Pearl. It was a complete departure from X, and I can't wait to see Maxine, but – to have Scorsese kind of give him that approval. I liked it. Hmm. Yeah, no doubt, man. No Especially doubt. Um, so another one, really quick one. Um, you know, we all, we all have money, uh, but do you have $1.6 million? Um, if you do, if you just have it laying around, you're not sure what to do with it, but you're also a fan of the Goonies, then you might want to head over to Astoria, Oregon, because the Walsh House is now up for sale. And thanks to Elijah Wood breaking the news on Twitter earlier this week that you can buy the Walsh House, which would be fucking cool. <laughs> if I had that kind of money, I'd probably do it. And I would just let everybody come up and yeah. just hang out. Like, what a seminal just, movie, what a seminal location. I would just constantly play uh, Good Enough or whatever the name of that enough? song was. By Cindy. Yeah, dude, Cindy Lauper, man. It would just be... Constantly, constantly playing again and again and again. Yeah, all the time. And I would invite people up and they could take pictures. Um, you know, because some people, you know, they're very private when it comes to living in a house that's been filmed uh, in movies. Uh, like the Halloween house that Laurie Strode lived in, they're like all in with it. So they'll put uh, pumpkins outside their house so you can sit in the stoop that's on the corner so you can take a picture with it. I was like, see, they're all in. Like, I love the fact that they're appreciating, you know, the movie, you know, letting people kind of do that and not being like, get off my fucking property, man. Like the, like the Texas Chainsaw remake house that we keep talking about. <laughs> you don't want to go near that place. Just want to leave it alone. Um, we talked about Bruce. We did that. Um, uh, okay. So there is a documentary coming out about Heather O'Rourke. And uh, fans and cool, you might remember her as playing Carol Ann in the Poltergeist movies. So there's a documentary coming out called Heather O'Rourke, She Was Here. It's coming out in 2023, and it's focusing on her time being in the Poltergeist movies and growing up as a kid. Uh, Her family is actually the one that's behind this, and they're hoping to clear the record about Heather due to years of rumors and false statements including one made by Henry Winkler, the Fonz of all people, in 1988, after she had died, that Heather was sexually abused and committed suicide. So as you know, she had battled various illnesses and died at the age of 12 in 1988, 
the cause of death was ruled congenital stenosis of the intestine complicated by septic shock. So apparently, yeah, this family got, has just been dealing with this up. so long. Yep. Yeah. I mean, from, from what I but know is her, with this intestinal, her intestinal tract got blocked up, yep. and she That's ended right. up getting, like, an internal infection due to fecal matter and shit like that. Exactly right. But apparently, there's been rumors that that's not actually what happened. Like I said, Henry Winkler did an interview in 88 where he said that she was sexually abused and killed herself. So the family is trying to clear the record and saying that's not what happened. You know, she was growing up normal, then she suffered an illness and died. But apparently, like, these, these conspiracy theories and these rumors and these false statements keep coming out. So apparently they want to set the record straight. I didn't know about that. I actually watched a clip uh, of Henry Winkler talking about it, and I was like, what, what the fuck are you talking about, Fonz? <laughs> you know, like, just don't talk about it. Like, you know, why are you saying that she did that? It didn't happen that way, but, you know, Fonz has his thoughts. Hey, so we're going yeah, uh, I mean, to see that. There's, there's weird things with shit like that, too. You know what I mean? It's like, well, like I said, like, I've always known it as what I said happened, you know, with the, with the impaction. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, I had never heard anything otherwise. I've never, ever heard of this interview with the Fonz. Like, when these things come out, it's like sometimes I, I feel like, you know, fucking news sources, well, and again, I'm going to say news source very with quotation marks, you know, news sources like TMZ and, and fucking, you know, the, the, these other organizations, they, like, try to dig up any old fucking clip of anything. You know what I mean? And and they're like, yeah, well, this is news now. And it's, it wasn't fucking news then. It's not really news now. Like, it, it, it is, it's a shame that the family has to not only relive and have to bring up all this old shit and deal with all of this old crap again, but now they also have to defend and deflect it from fucking, you know, possible uh, uh, abuse claims. And the kid herself isn't even fucking here to, to discredit it anyway. So it's like even, even if the parents are going to come forward or, you know, family members are going to come forward and they're going to be like, look, there's no way this happened. It never happened. That's not how this went. You're still going to have your naysayers up there saying, oh, well, of course they're going to say that. You know, they're, they're just protecting, you know, these, these Hollywood bigwigs who are raping everybody in fucking society, you know, and it's like... Right, Corey. You know how you doing today? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it always comes down to. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about before we get into the movie tonight is uh, the dean has brought up a lot about Blade that's going to be coming out in 2024, uh, starring Marshall Ali in the role of Blade. The director dropped out. They didn't really know who they were going to get, but officially there has been a director announced, and that's Jan Demage, who is going to be the director of Blade in 2024. He directed a movie called uh, White Boy Rick um, that starred Richard Demerit and Matthew McConaughey, which I'm a fan of. Oh, shit. So if you haven't, <laughs> it is such a good fucking movie. I can't believe I liked it as much as I did. I fell in love with that movie. Like, it's such a good one. Um, but yeah, he is going to be stepping into the director's role for Blade in 2024. Okay. Hey, look. So we'll see All what right. he does with it. It's a, it's, so it's, it's, it? an interesting, it's an interesting choice of director. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. 
You know what? We will. See, we. I'm not gonna. You know what? I'm not gonna say nothing about it. I mean, listen. He also directed Lovecraft Country. You know what I mean? Like he's got. Yeah. Yep. He's got weird shit in his pocket. So you know yeah. what? I can see that working very well with Blade. Uh, so zero fucking complaints in that choice. And and just to backtrack a little bit on the whole thing with uh, with with. with you know, with with Carol Ann and all that stuff. I also don't Heather mean O'Rourke, to, yeah. to Heather O'Rourke. I, I, I don't mean to discredit the idea that there are predators within the Hollywood system. Oh, I'm sure there are that have abused or taken advantage of of children and women, and I'm sure men as well over the years. It's just. I don't do the conspiracy theory thing of there being this massive network of fucking, you know, I don't know. I I just don't buy it as the satanic. Yeah, you know, the fucking Illuminati level shit. I'm good on. (laughs) Oh no, I'm definitely positive that there's there is pedophiles in Hollywood, and they groom actresses and actors, men and women, children, uh, but it's not the satanic cabal that a lot of these QAnon and conspiracy theorists like to bring up. Um, I'm looking forward to the documentary because I'm looking forward to the family setting everything straight. Like, it's not what you think. And I posted the link on the Facebook page, uh, Ghoul. If you want to check it out, the clip is there from an interview that Winkler did in 88 where he talks about her killing herself because she was abused. So you can check it out. It was fucking baffling. Like, I watched it. I was like, what? Like, I didn't know this existed until today, and I'm still kind of like, wow. Like, he had his theories. Um, you know, never backtracked on it. So we'll see what that document comes out. But um, let's get into the movie that we're going to talk about tonight, Cobra, from 1986, directed by George P. Cosmatos. So Los Angeles policeman Lieutenant Marion Cobra Cobretti finds himself at the center of a spate of murders carried out by a secret society known as the New World, killers who select weak members of society for extermination. As the murder rate rises, Cobra takes model Ingrid Knudsen into protective custody after she witnesses New World's leader in action, the Night Slasher. As Cobra falls for Ingrid, they find shelter in a small town but must soon fight for survival. So that is a description for Cobra from 86. Uh, it's one of those movies that I had seen many years ago, and I'm not a big Stallone fan, but I always liked this one because it seemed like it was an action movie, but it wanted to kind of dip into the horror world. Like, it wanted to kind of be a slasher at times, um, but then also dip back into the action. And a lot of these scenes that they had filmed were cut due to the MPAA. It originally got an X rating because there was a ton of violence and mutilation and murder, and they're like, you can't do that. So to get an R rating, they had to cut a lot of it out. I think it was 20 to 30 minutes that they cut out. I uh, could be wrong. Uh, but I, just, I really like this movie. I always wanted to bring up Stallone and Cobra on the show. I'm so glad that the ghoul is here with me to talk about it, just me and him old school episode with that being said ghoul what do you think about cobra okay so so <laughs> you're gonna have to bear with me here on this a little bit cobra is actually this this was the first time i've ever seen this movie um oh my god really you know i i have started this film before i i bought it a while back um, right, like right. it's one of the earlier films I ended up buying for for Xbox, but it's one of those movies that for whatever reason, always and I'm again being a huge Stallone fan, especially his '80s work. Somehow this movie kept 
like missing me or like I would go to rent it and it wouldn't be in it, and we didn't mm. have like when, whenever it was on cable like I just I never caught it um, and then I think I started to believe another movie I watched and I'm not even sure what movie that is but I started to believe that that movie was this film but no so this is, now I have seen the beginning of this movie the whole supermarket sequence but, like, right. I have never seen this movie in its entirety until this viewing for it for, for yesterday. So, so, so that being said, uh, yeah, I can kind of see why I, I constantly miss this movie. It's not my favorite of Stallone films. I find him to be very, very bland throughout the movie. You know, he's, he's not personable, Stallone. He's not. No. He's trying to hit with like these one-liners throughout the movie, and they're all falling flat. Um, you know, I I know at this time him and Brigitte are are developing like a, a real-world relationship, and it just the I, I like I don't find it believable in this movie world at all. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of things with this film that I was just kind of, now, now that being said, was I entertained while watching the movie? Yes, I agree with you. This movie definitely, is, is it an action film? Yes, it is. You know, and this guy, the same director is the one that did Rambo, First Blood Part Two. Uh, you know, something That's right. that me and the Dean discussed when, when we covered the Rambo uh, franchise. Um, you know, he had worked with Stallone and Stallone knows what he can and can't get away with with this guy. I feel like Stallone drove a lot of what goes on in this movie. I think he liked this director because he was like, look, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do, and then that's what we're going to do, okay? Um, and this guy was like, hey, I'm happy to direct anything. What I see when I'm watching this movie isn't just a horror movie. This film could be a giallo for all intents yeah. and purposes. You could tweak this and adjust this and you could frame this, you know, with, with just some some clever lighting, a couple of different reframe shots, and a little bit more of a focus on the killer, and you could really make this a straight-up Jalo film. And uh, and that, I think, would be a world of fun. But, I mean, this is all based off of a book called uh, Fair Game, which later gets made yeah. into, I think it was a Stephen Baldwin, and uh, or one of the Baldwin brothers. And, uh, maybe it was Alex. Might have been Alex. And Cindy Crawford, um, you know, and yeah. I remember that movie from the, from the 1990s. So the idea that this film and that film are actually based on the real on the same story is fucking like completely bizarre. Because what you get in this film versus what you get in that film are two totally different things. But but yeah, overall entertaining movie. Not my favorite of Stallone stuff. And the fact that you know, yeah, it was a Stallone directed movie. Like, because Manos was there, but Stallone was calling all the shots. And when the, the book had come out originally, and he based his screenplay off of that, he wanted to get a co-author credit when they re-released it after Cobra came out. Like, he wanted to have also written by Sylvester Stallone on the cover. And the, the author, Goslin, was like, nah, I'm good. I don't really want your name on my book, because <laughs> uh, it's not that. Um, so, yeah, like, he took a lot of liberties with, with writing the screenplay, because he had been cast in Beverly Hills Cop, and then he rewrote the screenplay for it, taking all the comedy out of it, and then he made Cobra. And they're like, well, that's not what Beverly Hills Cop is. It's the comedy. And he's like, well, I'm out. 
So he left that project. Eddie Murphy took over and it became what that is. So um, he decided to do Cobra instead. So we opened the movie with Stallone talking about how there's just so much crime, rapes, murders, everything like that. And then we smash the title card, Cobra. As we see a guy running on a motorcycle on Mars, apparently, because there's a lot of red outside as the sun rises. And then we cut to a sewer <laughs> hideout where a group of guys are just clanging and banging their axes together. I fucking love this sequence. When they're all just gathered <laughs> underground and just clanging their fucking axes together. I was like, oh, shit. Just, they're just having a great time just clanging their hatchets and axes together because they are ready to start some shit. Um, so then we cut to another guy riding up on a yeah, motorcycle to a grocery store. It actually, I was waiting for a dance number because it reminded me of, uh, <laughs> of Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I definitely got that call too. Um, but after that, we cut to another guy riding up to a grocery store, and he parks in the handicapped spot so you know he's evil. Um, and then he walks inside looking like Anthony Kiedis in the 90s with big sunglasses on, bumping into people carelessly, and the clerk approaches him and asks him if he needs help. The guy immediately pulls out a shotgun and just starts popping off rounds as people scream and run for their lives. The police arrive and surround the store. The police are trying to plead with him to let people go. The gunman's like, all right, I'll let one guy go. But as soon as he runs through the door, pops him from behind with a shotgun. Better call in Cobra. So in comes in a 1950 Black Mercury showing up the license plate, Awesome 50. And we meet Lieutenant Marion Cobretti, a.k.a. Cobra, a member of the LAPD's elite division known as the Zombie Squad. After assessing what the scene looks like, the one man fighting the squad enters a store. He grabs a coarse banquet beer, takes a quick drink. It's only 9 a.m., but you know what? Five o'clock somewhere. And he throws the can to distract the guy. It's fine. So Cobra picks up the intercom and tells him that, you know, you had your fun, but, you know, now it's time you know, you die, because that's what Cobra does. That's what the zombie squad does. They just take care of things in a not-so-police etiquette way. So bursting through a door, Cobra confronts the man. Hey, just relax, amigo. We could talk. He's a sucker for conversation. And the man demands all these things from him, but Cobra doesn't negotiate with psychos. Then he just shoots the shit out of him after the man rambles about a new world, a supreme group of radicals, that hate society, want to kill the weak so the strongest can rule the world. But in the end, the gunman is a disease and Cobra is the cure, which is a fucking tagline, <laughs> which I do like that tagline. Like, it's just, it's so Stallone. Like, you know, he thought he was so fucking great when he came up with that line. Yeah, you're the disease. And, hey, I'm the cure. Like, I'm like, sure, Stallone. <laughs> and, and again, like, here, here's the thing, you know, the premise here, interesting. The, the the villains here, more interesting than your typical, you know, like, yeah. hey, we're just, you know, we're, we're just looking for money. We're just looking for, for this. We're looking for that. No, these guys have like an actual, a pathos. They, they have something yeah. there. It's, I mean, A, you know, like it, 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 in a lot of ways, it's kind of kind of uncomfortable to even really like when I think about it it's like sucks to even like kind of have to talk about it but like it's it's very reminiscent of the world we live in now literally yesterday you know an employee from Walmart walked you know walked in and fucking gunned down I believe he killed six people uh injuring many others um you know and uh, our our condolences obviously go out to those people um but you know like the the society that he speaks of in this film feels very much like 
the society that we're living in, you know, in, in this day. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that means we need a Marion Cobretti in this in this world. I, uh, I I don't think that that's the answer, as we we obviously saw over the last couple of years of, of law enforcement issues. But uh, something, man, something. Because that's the thing. Like the, after the the supermarket shootout happens. He's walking outside, and the media is like, hey, you know, we want to talk to you, Cabretti. Like, we want to get some answers because you're, you know, a renegade. Like, you're doing things against police protocol, and he's like, hey, you know, I just, uh, you know, I do things my way, and I get the job done. You know, that's all I do. You know, so they're like, oh, well, you know, that's not right, though. Like, you can't just, you know, run around killing people just because that's how you get your job done. But he doesn't really have any time for that because he has to get back to his apartment uh, and bump a gang of Spanish gangbangers out of the way so he can get home. And, of course, they're like, hey, what are you doing, man? And, of course, Cobra confronts them and tears open the shirt of one of the gangbangers. And they're like, hey, you know, fuck you, man. He's like, yeah, it's all right. You know, you know, you know who I am. So he gets his mail and goes into his apartment where he has uh, cold pizza for breakfast, which he cuts in half with scissors for some reason because he doesn't want the whole slice. just wants half. So he has to cut it in half like circumcises it. Yep, yep. And he has a carton of eggs, and I'm like, okay, what's he going to do with that? But he opens it up, and, of course, that's where he keeps his uh, gun cleaning equipment. So that uh, is a good spot, I guess, you know, to keep your, your stuff, because that's what he does as he watches the news pop up after an ad from Toys R Us, because it's taking place around Christmas time. So, of course, you get a lot of Pepsi uh, sponsorship. You get a lot of cores. You get a lot of Toys R Us. There's a lot of product placement in this movie. Um, but we find Dude, we, get a, we get a full Toys R Us commercial, okay? We get yeah. a full Toys R Us commercial in this scene, man. It's so bizarre. Like, especially, like, Pepsi must have been heavy into this movie because Pepsi was everywhere. Like, every, in the store, you know, in his apartment, outside, they have a huge Pepsi sign for some reason that's all lit up in neon. I was like, okay. So they probably paid for half of this movie. Um, but well, we find on the news that the Night Slasher is struck again, claiming 16 lives at this point. The killer has killed men, women, and even a child at some point, crawling through their windows at night using knives and claw hammers. And then we cut to the nighttime, where a woman's just trying to get home, just, you know, reaching an ATM and going home, with a man in a nylon stocking on his face, holding a sledgehammer appears. Another man shows up with an axe, and they tear apart her car before killing her, making her victim 17. Police are baffled, but Cobra thinks that there could be multiple killers, not just one. And he's kind of right about that. But then all of a sudden, Larry from Hellraiser, Andrew Robinson, shows up as Detective Monty and tells him to mind his own fucking goddamn business. And I was like, oh, look, it's Larry. <laughs> but he's Detective Monty, and he's now, like, fuck you, man. Play by the rules. Go ahead. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to skip ahead here or anything, though. But you know what? Like, and obviously part of it, it has to do with, with seeing him in Hellraiser. And all that, you know, Jesus wept. But, like, my initial (laughs) thought when I saw this actor is, well, there's the leader of the bad guys. Like, yeah, I know that, you know, Brian Thompson is in this movie, but it's going to turn out that this guy is the one, like, running the show. Because that would make fucking sense. You know, like he's the guy in. He's the guy in the entire the entire time. He's in the police department. What is he sitting there talking about? 
Your way is not the right way. The way you guys are doing things are not is not the right way. You know, like he literally has all the fucking pathos to be the leader of the villains, and yet they never go that route. And that was the ending that they didn't go with, actually. So you're right on the money, man, because the original ending was going to have Monty having his shirt ripped open by Cobra, revealing a satanic tattoo on his chest, and him revealing to Cobra that he's been the leader the entire time. But they decided not to go with it. They decided to stick with the Night Flasher. So you're right on the money, man. Like that's what they wanted to do. Uh, and I, I, to. I did not. I didn't look anything up. I, you know, I did not see anything of that nature. It just felt like it would have been the natural, the natural order of yeah. storytelling would have would have done would have been to to go that way. But I mean, I mean, we get we get what we get with it. And you know what? Listen, Brian Thompson. You know, for he's so good for a guy that doesn't have to do all that much. He does a lot in this movie. And I think he kind of saved a whole lot for me in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and, uh, and like, I, I've always liked this actor. Um, yep. He's always one when he pops up and things. I'm like, Oh wow. Look, it's, it's fucking Brian Thompson. You know, uh, what was it? Death warrant. I think he's like the, the main yep. villain, uh, Van mm-hmm. Damme movie. I, I, I know he's fucking Shao Kahn. In uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, we're not going to bring that up. Yes, um, he is. No, we're not. That movie's just terrible. But uh, but yeah, anytime I see Brian Thompson, I'm always happy with it. So. And he was in Fright Night 2, which is what I know him from. Like he played one of the heavy vampires in, in Fright Night Part 2. That ate a lot of bugs mm. for some reason. But um, he's still recognizable. When you see his face, you're like, that's Brian Thompson. Like, there's no way that's not. But... Um, so that night, the killers are back at it again, driving around town. They bump into a woman's car, and a woman approaches, and we'll see her later. Don't worry about it. We'll bring it up. But as she's distracted, the Night Slasher appears and stabs her to death, bringing the death toll to 18. But now we won't be going on 19 because a woman drives up in a Jeep, and she sees a murder scene happening, and she speeds off. So the killers weave the woman's body on a bench and chase after the woman that had fled. So now the police are investigating this crime scene, when we see that same woman from earlier typing into a computer, looking up the name Ingrid Knudsen. So we're going to meet her. She's named Nancy Stock, which I love the fucking last name of Stock. Like, perfect fucking last name for this character. Uh, um, so we're going to meet her I, later. Thought, I never picked up that was her last name, right, until the very end of the movie. Um, so when he yells her name out later, and... Uh, I thought it was like my subtitles had fucked up and were like reading it wrong or something. <laughs> like, her name's not Stalk. Oh shit, it is Stalk. No crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really wish they. I wish, and again, like this. This is just me being me with it. Um, I wish the sequence in which they show her coming up to the car. I wish they did not show her face so clearly. I wish they would have yeah, given us yep. like maybe a little, like a little more time to not realize she was a villain. You know, knowing she's a yep. bad guy in there the entire time, it's like I don't know. It kind of ruins some of the, I don't the, the fun of what would have been like a, an entertaining action mystery. Mm-hmm. No, completely. I completely agree with you, um, especially because you know that she's evil. So when you see her later on in the movie, it's like, well, she's evil. Like, she's going to do something that, that kind of causes everything, and she does. But um, So we see Captain Sears, along with Monty, meeting up with Cobra and his partner, 
uh, partner, Sergeant Gonzalez, in an empty parking lot. Sears wants them to shake down every psycho in the city to find the Night Slasher. Do what you got to do. And then Monty roasts Gonzalez and Cobra for being reckless. And then we cut to an 80s rock ballad as we get a motherfucking montage, baby, with scenes yeah, right, from Nightlife in L.A. and along with a bunch of fucking robots that have a purpose. And then we cut to Ingrid Knudsen, played by Brigitte Nielsen, playing a model during a photo shoot, and we hear Angel in the City. Like, and I, was like, I love fucking 80s montages. Like, I wish they would bring them back. Like, it's just so cool to have this song playing, and then Brigitte Nielsen as Newton just dancing around the set with a bunch of robots for some reason. I guess. It's the weirdest photo shoot ever. I, I just, I love montages. I, I was like, I just, you know. I, I, I love a good montage, too. I, you know, I think they, it, this is like one of those where it's kind of like an oddly placed one. You know, we keep seeing, like, flashes of these robots at first. And yeah, right. like, I, was, I, I had no idea why. I'm like, what? why do we keep cutting to these robots? I thought they might have something to do with, like, the bad guys. Um, and, but then, no, you know, because I kind of forgotten that we, we had to go to, to Brigitte Nielsen here anyway. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it's a typical 80s thing where, you know, they're, they're going through the streets of, of – where are they, by the way? I guess it's L.A., right? L.A., yeah. Uh, okay, so they're going through the streets of L.A. You know, we've got all the all, all, all the, the various prostitutes and everything that we're going to associate with, like, the late 80s, early 90s, L.A. You know, these are the same people that we're going to see in Pretty Woman two years later or three years later, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and you see, you know, Cobra roughing up, like, bartenders, you know, grabbing the one guy by the back of his neck, and he's like, tell me what you know, and he's like, I don't know anything, man. So as you get intercut with scenes of Newton doing her modeling shoot, uh, at the end of it, she's being escorted uh, by a guy named Dan. And Dan is constantly shooting his shot with her. Like, come on, come on, just like one drink. Like, let's go out to dinner, whatever. And she's like, no, I'm good. Actually, I'm, like, really fucking good. And he's like, no, no, it's, it's fine. Like, you know, you're fine. You're in a new city. We're, we're going to go out to dinner. Like, just read the fucking room. He's like, I'd be, I'd be crazy not to try to bang you. You know, like, like, really, guy? Like, come on, that's your shot, huh? Yeah, so as he's trying to do this, the killers show up, and they immediately kill Dan, and Newton runs for safety and finds a security guard from earlier that she had talked to briefly, and he is killed when they smash a van right into him. Like, dude, this is fucking horror movie territory. Like, <laughs> he got ran the fuck over by a van as he's trying to, you know, get out of the way of the killers. Um, so it's fucking great. Dead, it was such a good shot too. To see his body slammed into that garage door. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, um, when they so like when so I'm watching like the, the elevator opens right and this guard comes out and I was like, oh all right, well you know they're gonna they're obviously gonna kill the guard. I wasn't expecting. Oh, full on, we're going to, we're going to put the pedal to the fucking metal and literally ram you through the wall mm. of the fucking yep. elevator. Like, I was not expecting that. And when the, I, it was one of those where I was laughing so fucking hard, I ended up pausing the movie because oh, yeah. I, I couldn't, like, not fucking crack up about it. It was so good. And I was like, I, I had to rewind it myself because I wanted to see it again. The fact that this guy got smashed by a van. 
Um, so Ingrid uh, hides, and the killers are still looking for her, but they just can't find her, so they decide to leave. So then we have to cut to the hospital where Cobra and Gonzalez are talking to her about, like, what happened, you know, tell me what they looked like, and she can't really say anything other than there was, like, a tall guy, and they were after me for some apparent reason. Like, I don't owe anybody money. It was so fucking random, and all of a sudden Cobra's like, oh, shit, it must be the new world. I got to stop him somehow. So well, no, to you know, like, I love yep. the fact that they're asking her all these questions, right? And she's wondering why this hap- is, is happening. But at no point, at no point does she think to mention until, like, the very last thing about the guy that scared her so bad standing mm-hmm. in the street with a fucking sledgehammer. Okay, like, come on. That's the first yeah. fucking thing you say. What? When the cops are like, yo, do you have any enemies? I'd be like, you know, now that you mention it, there was this fucking guy in the middle of the fucking street <laughs> under an underpass holding a fucking sledgehammer. That's the first thing out of my mouth at that point. Yeah, and we'll find out that Cobra just kind of accepts everything that you tell him. Like, he doesn't have any follow-up questions. Like, when he finds out about stock later on in the movie, he's like, all right. And just fucking walks away. Like, there's no follow-up to it. Like, well, 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 really, like, what were you doing out here? Like, we'll talk about it. But, man, like, Cobra, you know, he's not a detective. Like, he's just a heavy. Like, and we'll find out about it. Even though he tries to do a little bit of research at home on his computer, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> looking up things. You don't know what you're looking at. Um, so, as I said, he does return home to do some research. And that's when we see the Night Stalker back at his home base. And he's dyeing his hair uh, from blonde to black. And we see Stock enter the room, and she's like, you know what? Let me take care of Newton. Like, she's mine. And then the Night Stalker tells her, nope, she's mine. You know, I'm going to ruin her. I'll take care of this. So he's planning on something, and we're going to see that he goes to the hospital to, to find her. And he dyes his hair black, kills a janitor, and assumes his identity by taking his clothes. And he's about to kill a nurse in an elevator, but she's able to get off on her floor before he can attack. So then we cut to a nurse seeing the janitor, and she's like, well, it's a little late to be mopping up things, huh? So she has to go figure out what he's doing. The cop tells her, you want me to go check it out? No, no, it's fine. i got to do my rounds. You just kind of hang out here. Like, Surely nothing's going to happen. So she goes off and does her rounds. And while Cobra's at home doing his research, Gonzalez calls him and says, hey, you called me and told me to meet you here at the station, right? I didn't do that. Oh, my God. It's a trap. We need to get to the hospital. Go, go, go. (laughs) They have to race to the hospital through the streets. Cobra runs out of his apartment, but he's attacked by New World members. He wastes no time taking care of all of them, including throwing one of them off a balcony, which is a great fucking fall for a stuntman. (laughs) That's another one I had to rewind because it was so good when he fell off that fucking balcony and just hit the ground. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm digging this. Um, so back at the hospital, the nurse is looking around for the janitor as Cobra speeds to the hospital. The nurse finds a patient dead with a bloody mop next to her. But before she can really investigate, the night slasher underneath the bed grabs her and kills her. And this is when the night stalker arrives at Newton's room and finds her bed empty. But just like in Halloween fucking 2, he stabs at her bed only to find that Newton's not in the bed. She's been in the bathroom the entire time. So she barricades the bathroom door, <laughs> trying to keep from the bed. And I'm like, this is fucking Halloween too. Like this is just like, it was that fucking, like, it was, it was, it was that hospital food. Dude, 
Stallone watched, yes, Stallone watched Halloween 2 because, you know what, we're going to get a sequence, too, of her eventually running out into the hallway, and there's nobody in this fucking hospital, right? There's nobody. She's like, help, is there anybody here? Is there anybody here? (laughs) Whatever accent it was that she was fucking channeling. Meanwhile, two seconds later, she's going to hit the fire alarm, and that entire hallway is going to be flooded with people. Where the fuck were all these people when she was running through the hallway screaming? Oh, I fucking loved it. Because like you said, she runs out in the hallway, she's screaming for help, and nobody shows up. Like, you imagine these patients laying in their bed going, I'm not going to fucking deal with that tonight. But when she hits the fire alarm, all of a sudden, oh, God, oh, God, fire, fire. Let's get out of the room. we got to go. And that's when the night stalker shows up, but he doesn't see her, so he eventually just leaves down the escalator, um, thinking that he just can't find her. He's going to have to regroup. Um, so once that happens, we see that later Cobra is being yelled at by Captain Sears for being reckless. Cobra, you have an attitude problem. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, a little. <laughs> Again, like, stop trying to be Schwarzenegger and Commando, dude. Like, you're not hitting these one-liners very well. You're trying, that's but no. Because he's, not... he's writing the script, and that's the problem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's writing this, and, and, and that's where, where you have this issue. You know, that's why it's not funny. Stallone is not a comedy it's not. writer. It's, it's just, it's not his thing. This doesn't come off as funny. It doesn't, it doesn't come off as charming. It doesn't, you know, like you think about, like, it's like you were saying earlier with Kurt Russell and Jack Burton. You know, like, everything comes yeah. off as yep. so cocksure with that character that, like, you know, it kind of becomes like a charming type of deal. You know he's being a pompous asshole, yet you accept it because that's just how Russell is, is selling it. This is just, like, dry, bland delivery with, like, with nothing at all. Like, this is as blank a character as you could possibly get. And, I mean, if that's what Stallone was going for, then, then I guess great. But I, I don't think so because I think, you know, I think, I think Stallone honestly wanted to be, like you said, like a, a Schwarzenegger type of thing here. He wanted, he wanted yeah. zingy one-liners. Like, he was probably like, oh, they said I wasn't funny enough for uh, Beverly Hills Cop. We'll try this. Yeah, the only one that worked, like I said, is that, you know, here's the disease, I'm the cure. That's the only one that ever worked for me. Everything else sucked. Like, it's, just, it's not funny. It's weird. He doesn't really know how to say the lines very well because he's always like, Ugh, you know, his voice. Um, he tries, but it's just, it's, it's fine. Um, so Newton is packing her bags. It's decided that she would be better off in a safe house. Uh, Stock shows up to be the escort. And, yeah, by the way, New World member, we know that. They don't know that. Uh, so as they drive to the safe house, they're attacked by members of the New World, and a chase sequence occurs. The killers shoot up Cobra's ride. He gets the upper hand and quickly kills some of the people in the cars and then goes after the second towards a bridge and really taking out Santa in the toll booth. I love that fucking guy just sticking his head out of the fucking toll booth and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Almost gets hit I, by the car and they go by. I, I love the sequence of them hopping along the bridges. Oh, yeah. And, yep. I mean, I do also love the fact that, like, it seems like this entire chase sequence is making its way across every single possible demographic area of L.A. Because you go from city, you go to, like, suburbs, all of a sudden you're at the harbor, all of a sudden you're, like, in the factory district. There were all these crazy things. Now, those bridges, though, 
I have a question. Is this close to where A Nightmare on Elm Street was filmed? Yes. yes. Okay, because Very it looks, that area looks familiar. Because I remember the sequence with, uh, with Depp and, and Nancy on the, uh, on the bridge. On the bridge. Yeah, it was shot almost like across from that. So you could actually see the bridge. You can pause it at the right moment. Um, you could see the bridge where they filmed that movie. Um, so Cobra decides to hit the turbo boost and Vin Diesel's himself into the remaining car, which shouldn't even be operational at this point because it's problem. so fucking destroyed. So, yeah, it's all about family. So the chase ends at a pier where Cobra crashes into a dock boat. And then we cut back to LAPHQ where Cobra is telling Sears and Monty that there's a whole army of killers. He needs to take Newton upstate and into the country where he can protect her. And Monty's telling him that's a bad idea. All you want to do is fuck her, right? And that's when he's like, all right, now let's go. And they cause a little scuffle, yeah. you know, in the HQ. But ultimately, Cobra gets his way, and they leave the city, with Newton being escorted by Gonzalez and Stalk, and also a, a, another guy that, you know, just kind of disappears at one point. Because there was an extra cop, and he just kind of goes away. <laughs> Not even worth talking about. Um, so the group arrives at a motel where Cobra pulls a Fonz move and hits a jukebox to make it work. I was like, all right, Fonz, that's really cool. So now we have Newton trying to be like, oh, hey, do you ever, like, go out with women or whatever? And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I just, I'm not all about that because, like, uh, if anybody wanted to be with me, they'd have to be kind of crazy, right? Like, it's, it was so, like, awkward, them trying to make this, like, a couple. Like, them trying to be like, okay, we're falling in love because he's like, oh, hey, you're drowning your fries in ketchup, huh? That's kind of cool. And she's like, oh, tell me about yourself. Like, it's, that was an interesting uh, character trait. Like I said, I mean, at this point, you know, you got to remember, the two of them are actually together. You know, they got married yeah. in 85. In I'm yeah. pretty sure they, 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 they divorced the next year. Um, I, don't, I don't think they were, they were together for very long. No, it was short-lived. Yeah, I, I would say it lasted maybe a year. Um, and I might be being generous on that, but I'm not sure. But it's like this forced thing of, like, having these two characters having, like, a meet-cute where it's like, oh, they're falling in love because of the situation. And just it doesn't work. Um, but later we see Stock talking on the phone with the New World. And that's when I said Cobra walks up and he's like, hey, what are you doing over here? Like, you know, why don't you use the phone in your room? She's like, eh, I don't know. I thought this one would be better. And he's like, uh, I don't know. What are you doing, though? Who are you talking to? She's like, nobody. Good night. And he's like, all right, well, I'm not going to ask any follow-up questions yet. Like, I'm just going to go to bed. Like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, ask some more questions. Press her a little bit. And he's like, no, nah, it's all right. Like, you know, I got my guns, and I got to go clean them and put them together. Uh, and then maybe have sex with uh, this chick in my motel room. That's exactly what fucking happens. He goes back to the hotel room, and Newton wakes up, and she's like, oh, what are you going to do after all this? Like, uh, you know, he's like, oh, maybe you take up a career in boxing. I don't know. I mean, the world's my oyster, am I right? And she's like, well, come over here. She's like, like, all right. She goes, oh, well, I got this guy over in Russia that we can can have a a, a fight with. Have you ever heard of Adi Drago? No. That might be part of the problem, too, is that, like, you know, I, when I look at her, that, that is what I'm identifying. I'm looking at her, and I'm yep. seeing, you know, Ivan Drago's wife, and that's problematic as well, I think, when you're putting these two together. Um, but, 
yeah, it's uh, it is. It's stiff. It's a dry performance. He's gonna bang her. I mean, that's just 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 what's gonna happen. And and you know, because like she says, you know, what what are you gonna do after this? And he's like, he's Mr. Literal. Well, I guess I'm gonna take another <laughs> yeah. case. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Like, come on. Yeah, it, it's it was so, and also like I didn't mention this earlier, but the wig that Brigitte Nielsen's wearing is fucking just up there with Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween 2. Because Brigitte Nielsen had very short hair, as she's always had, but they put this fucking wig on her head. And I was like, it doesn't look real. <laughs> it's just sitting on her head very fucking weird. And they give her a hat at a certain point to put on it to, I guess, make it look more real. And I was like, dude, I saw Halloween 2. Like, I know that you also have short hair, and they just gave you this uh, Spencer's gift wig to put on to be the character. I just it, you know, it, it, it worked it worked in uh it worked in Rocky Four, you know, with the short hair because we 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 wanna look at her like, you know, she's like uh she's as manly as, as her husband. You know, it does it doesn't work was. in this movie because Stallone only only bags women and and that's that's the problem. This is probably what led them to yeah. divorce. You know, he probably didn't realize that it was a wig. And he probably thought the short hair was the wig, you know? Yeah. Then she takes off the wig on the wedding day. He's like, oh, hey, yo, uh, I, don't, I don't know about this. You sure you're a woman? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't fuck dudes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like dudes. I'm all about the women. Like, you know, it's still well. Like, she just has short hair. But uh, So at dawn, the new world arrives in the town of San Remos, where Cobra and the gang are. Cobra tells him that they need to keep going and they just need to drive on to the next place. But they can't find stock for some reason. You know, where is she? Oh, she's over there talking to the New World. I love the cut of her talking to them as they're like, oh, wait, is, are they over there? Okay, let's go. Like, let's shoot them. <laughs> and then Gonzalez is like, I never liked that bitch. <laughs> it's such, a, such a bizarre reveal, <laughs> you know. Um, so Newton and Cobra have to barricade themselves into the motel room, but a motorcyclist drives right through the fucking door and crashes, and Cobra shoots him down real quick. Gonzalez gets injured as Cobra escapes with Newton in a pickup truck. He jumps into the back as she drives, and then he just starts shooting off bullets at anything that moves. And when one man gets into the back of the truck, Cobra tosses him off the truck, and the man gets run over. Fucking wild. I thought that the van hitting the security guard was fucking crazy. No, the guy getting run over by the fucking truck was just like up there. <laughs> like, yeah, no, this, this, this was. Yes, it did. Yes, it did indeed. I, it was just fucking insane. I was like, all right, I had to rewind it. And I was like, yeah, no, he definitely got ran over by that truck. Like, this is nuts. But, like, I'm loving this sequence. Yes. But again, like, these, these are the kind of things that we were seeing. And see, like, this, this is where, like, uh, like I know, like, again, like you said, like, this is kind of playing like a horror movie, and, and you're getting, like, these, these violent slash gory-esque sequences, but, like, I'm also coming off a of Commando in which we watch, you know, Schwarzenegger toss a fucking saw blade that shears off the top of a man's head. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yep. 
So, like, these are the things that I want to see happening in this, too, you know? Like, if you're going to go there, go there. Like, I wanted to see a little bit of, let's let's get a little bit of blood splatter going on. Like, we get some of it earlier, but it seems like the the longer the movie goes on, the less... The less pronounced the violence gets. They they shied away a lot at a lot of the kills, um, especially early on in the movie when when Night Slasher was stabbing people. Like you just see kind of from his perspective, so you see the the blood splatter, but you don't get to see the kills. Um, they're like the X-rated cut had like hands being cut off, piles of dead bodies. I was like, I kind of want to see that cut. Like, I wish I could oh, yeah. see the unrated version of Cobra. Like, and show me how bloody they get, because apparently it was very fucking bloody. It was very graphic. It's just, like, not available um, anywhere? Like, this, this, this never got a release? No. Never. Like, there's a work print that came out years ago, and it was, like I said, it was about 30 minutes of material that wasn't in the actual theatrical. This never really saw the light of day. So we're probably never going to get an unrated wow. Cobra cut, which I, I'm sad about that, because I would love to see... The fact that they were going into the horror territory with all these kills um, that happened early on. Um, but with the truck being badly damaged from all the shootout, Newton and Cobra run through a citrus tree field and end up in a factory where Stock kills a security guard. And then Stock, the Night Slasher, and the remaining members of the New World chase after Newton. Cobra takes his time getting through the factory, taking out the New World of various means, including some, setting some of them on fire. Like the one fucking dude where he just doused him with gasoline, and then he just tossed the match mm-hmm. down, and he's like, yeah, justice. So I was like, dude, this fucking rules. <laughs> well, he's been chewing he's on the damn match. He's been chewing on the fucking match the entire film. You know what I mean? Like, you, you figured it had to come up sooner or later. Oh, yeah. Like, it was going to have to happen. And also, um, as a reference, I, don't, I think you saw the movie Drive, right, with uh, uh, Ryan Gosling? Where he's, like, no. really quiet the entire time? No. Okay, well, in no, that movie, Ruffin, who directed the movie, loved Cobra so much, where he had to have uh, Gosling chew on a toothpick the entire movie. He's like, because I love fucking Cobra. And he chewed on a matchstick in that movie. Let's have you chew on a, a, a toothpick. But if you haven't seen that movie, dude, highly recommend it. That movie is just fucking it's- intense. Um, it's it's on the list. It's it's not like it's it's again. It's it's one of those, right? Just I'm not. I, I did we cut? No, that's not one that we covered at some point, right? Nope, we never covered Drive. We covered uh, Neon Demon. That was your pick. That was a rough movie. So, gotcha, gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so Newton manages to escape the Night Stalker, uh, the Night Slasher, I should say. That's Richard Ramirez. <laughs> nice um, so uh, Stock tries to attack Cobra, but he ends up shooting her dead. Um, and that's when we lead up to this fight between Cobra and the Night Slasher. Let's fucking go hand-to-hand combat. And that's when the Night Slasher asks him if he wants to go to hell and that the new world is the future. Cobra tells him that he's history, and then this is where the law stops, and he starts, sucker. Okay, again? It's not an original line because that was a line from Steve McQueen and a movie called The Reavers. So it's not even like he wrote that for himself. Like that's, he copied another movie to do that line. It's not even that good. Yeah, you know, I'm the future, sucker. Stop it. <laughs> Stop the well, one I, I thought, good. I thought they were going ballsy with this here. 
I thought he was okay. just going to shoot him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like in my head, I'm like, wow, they're, like, they're, they're not even good. Because like, the, the idea of this coming down to like hand-to-hand combat was like, oh, I mean, I guess he could go that route. But, I mean, realistically speaking, you know, it's not like Stallone was all about hand-to-hand combat in this movie. He's, he's pretty much just been blowing people up and fucking them up, you know? So I'm thinking, wow, he's going to shoot this fucking guy. And that's how they're going to end this movie. But no, they, they, they still went typical 80s. You got to have some hand-to-hand combat. And you know what? It's also... And I, I should have known better because, you know, the first thing I saw when they were in that factory, it was like, oh, look at these these random fucking hooks that just keep driving, mm-hmm. you know, keep on passing by. I know oh, somebody's yeah. going to get caught up on that somehow. Oh, and the fight isn't bad. You know, the, the brawl that Cobra and the Night Slasher have, it's not bad. Like, you know, it's a back and forth. Um, you have that one point where they have all, like, you know, the hot magma, you know, in the pool, and Night Slasher is going to put them in there, but it doesn't happen. You know, it's a great back and forth. I love the blade that the Night Slasher uses. It's this really intricate blade, but then it has spikes on the handle. So it's like he could use it either way, which was designed for the movie. It's a very cool-looking knife. It was so fucking cool. But as the fight happens and they're slashing at each other, Cobra gets the upper hand of the Night Slasher and just leather faces him right onto a fucking roaming hook. And, of course, the Night Slasher can't get off that hook, and he's led right into a fucking furnace where he burns alive. I was like, that is so fucking cool. The fact that he's screaming the entire time and he knows what's going to happen, and Cobra has to watch it until it finishes. Like, he has to watch the Night Slasher go right into that furnace and burn alive. <laughs> and they took this, this sweet-ass time, man. They really they could have probably cut, like, a good minute off this movie oh, yeah. just by not, like, making it take so damn long for him to get to this fire, you know? <laughs> like, all right, man, we know you're heading there, bro. Yeah, we know you're going in there, but it's like the, the Austin Power sequence, you know, where the guy's facing up against yeah, a steamroller, and he's like, no, <laughs> for like five minutes. And it's like, you know you're going to get killed, but what are you doing standing there? <laughs> That's what it felt to me. But, of course, justice is served. The Night Slasher is dead. The New World is dead. And then we cut to the dawn where Gonzalez is still alive, man. He's still made it, and he's being put into a stretcher. They're kind of having a banter back and forth with Cobra. You know, it's a new day. It's going to be a new mission coming up. So He wants gummy bears. Because he's addicted to – I forgot to mention that. He's addicted to, like, fucking candy the entire movie. They make that a point for the character. But for some reason, he doesn't like normal food. He just likes to eat sweets. So a lot of Coca-Cola, a lot of cakes, a lot of desserts. And then at one point, Cobra's like, why don't you try a fucking salad and some grilled fish? And he's like, fuck you, man. Brought hey, to I you by Tasty Cakes. Yeah, I just I liked Gonzalez and Cobra's back and forth. Like it actually felt kind of real, like they were friends. Even though, you know, Sylvester's the one in real life didn't like to talk to anybody on set when he was there. <laughs> if you tried to talk to him, not going to happen. Um, and another thing before we get into the ending of this, Brian Thompson, as we've talked about the Night Slasher, he wasn't invited to the premiere of the movie. He had to buy his own ticket. And for years, he has never understood that. <laughs> he was like, but I was the villain in the movie. But the studio never invited him to the premiere. So he had to buy his own ticket. I felt so bad. <laughs> it's like, imagine that. Oh. You have to spend money on a movie. 
that you're in, he had to, and the studio didn't even Something you. had to happen. He had to rub somebody the wrong way, or the studio was just trying to to play, uh, like, method. You know what I mean? And they didn't want the villain in the movie, you know, the villain of the movie in the theater with everybody. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it could have been that, you know. But, again, like, Thompson has talked at length about it. Um, and being on set with Stallone, where he's like, well, what's my motivation, like, as a killer? Like, you know, what's, what am I doing? And how am I evil? And he's like, ah, oh, I don't know, man. Like, you know, you just, you're, uh, you're evil. So just, uh, you know, be evil. And he's like, okay. Claim your axes. You know, just like, what a horrible the, direction. Like, uh, uh, all those guys that were clanging their axes together, I guess that's the motorcycle gang and everybody that they ended yeah. up killing? Yeah, they're oh, Okay. All, yeah, Cobra killed them all. Like, you know, like, he, he cleared out the entire... That was the whole new world. And he cleared them all out. Cobra. So we're all dead now, including uh, the Night Flasher. So um, with Gonzalez being alive, Monty and Captain Sears show up, and Captain Sears tells Cobra, like, if you're ever interested in, like, a nice kind of safe job, it's there. And he's like, no, I'm all right. Like, I like being a part of the zombie squad. And then we get Monty going, you know what? I got to apologize. You know, I'm sorry that I've been such a massive dickhead the entire time. But you know what? You really kind of overdid it. But no hard feelings, right? You know, that's not my style, Cobra. So they shake hands, but Cobra punches him right in the face. Just finally... This dick gets the punch that he's been deserving the entire time. And he decides to not get the ride home by Captain Sears because he finds one of the new world motorcycles. He's like, hey, Newton, get on the back, baby. We're going home. And they ride off into the credits. <laughs> what a perfect way to end Heart's the movie. on <laughs> fire. Oh, wrong, wrong movie. <laughs> yeah, not the right one. But, yeah, so they ride off into the sunset where Cobra is going to have a new day. Um, and it's one of those movies where a lot of people that like it never understood why there wasn't a sequel. And like a couple of years ago, uh, Sylvester Stallone posted a picture on his Instagram page of him back in the day standing next to his car saying, throwback or comeback. And a lot of people are like, fuck, yeah, we want another Cobra movie, but it never came out. And I'm kind of glad because it's a, it's a one-off. Like, I, I, I don't care if there's another Cobra movie. Like, it's fine. Like, movie is good for 88, or 86, rather. I don't need to see another one. Like, it's just, it's, it's passable. Yeah, no, like I said, you know, it's, uh, I, I had a good time watching it, but it's definitely not my, my favorite. I, there are many other Stallone movies that I will go to before re-watching this again. Like, what would you say is your top three? Stallone. I mean, obviously, I'm always going to go Rocky or Rambo first and foremost. Those are going to be the top two. But then, like, Lockup is, is, is a favorite of mine. You know, Daylight is, is a fun movie. Cliffhanger oh, is a Daylight. fun movie. Um, yeah. You know, so, so they're, they're just, I mean, Tango and Cash. You know, there's, there's just mm-hmm. so many. Oh, absolutely. Uh, stop, or my mom was just, no, just kidding. I would never watch that one again. <laughs> um <laughs> No way. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, like I, And, again, I get it from, like, the action standpoint. This kind of falls more in line with, like, the, the, the shittier action films of the time frame. But, like, you know, if I want to watch that, then you know what? I'm going to go and watch a Schwarzenegger movie. I'm going to watch Commando. Or I'm going to go watch yeah. Bloodsport. You know, like, like those are all mm-hmm. films that I'm going to go to before I ever go back to Cobra. 
easily. I mean, if, if I was going to pick a three, I would say uh, Tango and Cash, absolutely. Um, get Carter. Uh, I don't know, struggle with the third, Stallone. Oh, Demolition Man. That will be my three. Oh, there like you go. If I had to pick Stallone, one. triple feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that has to be it. Like, get Carter, Demolition Man, and Tango and Cash. Um, I mean, I like the Rocky movies, but it just it, it, they're fine. You know, same thing with Rambo. Like, they're fine movies, but I've never really been a big fan. Like, the only reason I like the Rocky movies is because Joe Spinell from Maniac is in those movies, at least in the first two. So I'm like, hey, there's the guy from Maniac, um, you know, who was in a lot of those movies back in the day. But, um, yeah, Cobra's fine. Like, I, I do enjoy it, but I like the fact that they're trying to do horror, but putting action in there, too. So I wish they had done a lot more horror, but for what it is, I mean, it's a fun watch. Like if you're looking the waist, like an, and plus it's only like an hour and 27 minute movie. So you just pop it on, just get lost in it and have fun. Um, but as we close out, uh, this was our Thanksgiving episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for hanging on with us on our Instagram page, on our Facebook page. We are thankful for you. So we hope, uh, in America anyway, because I know Canada's Thanksgiving was last month, we hope in America you have a great Thanksgiving. But, of course, the monkey returns next week. The dean is still off, but he's coming back with a film pick. And the monkey had decided he wants to talk about Dario Argento's Phenomena from 1985. So we're going to be talking about that next week. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Ghoul, but I will not spoil it. It's just a very fucking weird one. Like it's it's Argento, yeah, no. Jennifer Connelly, Donald Pleasance. It's actually uh, it's funny enough. I, it was one that I was going to pick a few months ago. Uh, I have like a really? list of, okay. of movies that like sometimes when like I don't know what I'm going to pick, I uh, I have like whatever. There's seven movies on it, and I roll a seven sided die, and that's how I, I figure out whichever movie nice. I'm going to pick for that month. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that that was that was one on that list. I almost just overrode the the role and picked it instead. But uh, but no, instead I uh, I forget what I went with in its place. But yeah, so, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've never seen it before. So uh, the the box art, it's one that I remember clearly from the video store. Oh, with Jennifer Connelly and the spiders in her hand. Yeah, the bugs uh, coming out of the hand, the the, the creepy like yeah. night looking scene in in the background. Yo, yeah, no, it's 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 a weird Argento movie. Like it's not one of my favorites, and we'll talk about it next week. But uh, it's very entertaining if you want to see something that he was doing in the '80s, where he wanted to focus on heavy metal albums and make that his soundtrack, and then just have crazy shit happen. Like he's trying to make a jello, but at the same time he's not. So we'll talk about it next week. Uh, Dario Gentle's Phenomenon, which is the Mad Monkey's pick. Uh, so, with that being said, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off, cool? Well, thank you for letting us be the cure. Um, and I don't, I don't mean the band. Um, but, uh, no, yeah, no. aside from that, stay scared. Yeah, well, no, tomorrow's Thursday. Stay scared, everybody. Oh. Have a happy Thanksgiving. You know, uh, I know that uh, I am thankful for for family, friends, and, uh, and and everything in between with that. So, so again, everybody have nice, safe holidays. Party on, but do so responsibly and stay scared. Party on, dudes, and stay excellent. Uh, and as always, I'm your old pal, the King Horror NGG. Thanking you so much for listening to this episode. Of course, I'm also thankful for the people in my life, like the Ghoul, 
and the monkey and the dean to be my brothers as we do this show every week. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that want to keep me around, that want to show me some love. Um, you know, somebody like uh, the monkey's sister who sent me a lament configuration in the mail and didn't put a return address on it. So I was freaking out the entire time going, oh, shit, who sent me this? This is not good. <laughs> I have a lament configuration now. Uh, but it's on the Facebook page. Enjoy that. And we'll see you back here next week for Dario Argento's Phenomenon. As always, hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy.